Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your Friday, January 15th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is game day once again. Game two of this 56-game regular season is tonight. 7 o'clock puck drop at the Wells Fargo Center. It'll be the Flyers and the Penguins part two. Flyers got the 6-3 win in the opening game of the season. The Flyers will look to go 2-0 to start the season. They did that last year. They won in the Czech Republic against the Chicago Blackhawks and their second game of the season, which was in Philadelphia, shutout, the first career shutout, as a matter of fact, of Carter Hart over the New Jersey Devils. Uh, But prior to that, the Flyers hadn't won their first two games of the season, going all the way back to 2011-12 when they beat the Boston Bruins and the New Jersey Devils, both on the road to open up that season. Uh, So we'll see if the Flyers can get off to a great start. And it's it, in this situation, it does mean more than it did in 2011 and 12. It does mean more than it meant last season. Why? Well, because every game is a four-point swing. The only teams that you're playing are the teams in your division, and you're fighting for that real estate, the top four spots in the division, and that real estate alone. So it does mean more. And if you can put the Penguins to 0-2, it doesn't make anything a guarantee that you're going to the playoffs, you're going to be a number one or two seed, and Pittsburgh's not going to make the playoffs. It's too early to say those kind of things. But the start, a 2-0 start does mean more. 2-0 basically translates to a three-win uh, three start in a normal season. So four wins translates to six wins. You're playing about two-thirds of a normal NHL schedule, coupled with the fact, again, that you're playing against teams in your division and your division only, and you're fighting for that real estate to make the playoffs in your division. Now, last night on the NHL scoreboard, the rest of the division finally got in action. It was a busy night in the NHL on Thursday. Uh, The Flyers were the only team in the East Division to play on opening night. The Capitals did get a 6-4 win over the Buffalo Sabres uh, to start their season. So the Caps put up a six spot like the Flyers did. Uh, TJ Oshie with a goal and two assists in that game. Alexander Ovechkin, no goals and two assists. Alexander Ovechkin had two assists on the night, and Nick Backstrom a goal and an assist as well. So the Caps off to a good start. That's win number one, by the way, for Peter Laviolette as a head coach of the Washington Capitals. The Bruins uh, defeated the New Jersey Devils 3-2 was the uh, score in this one. It was a shootout win for the Devils. So the Devils, or excuse me, it was a shootout win for the Bruins. The Devils do get the one loser point, which, as you know, on this podcast, I've railed against a few times. Uh, and the Bruins pick up the two points over the New Jersey Devils. 3-2 was the final. Brad Marchand had a goal and an assist. Uh, also, Mackenzie Blackwood, uh, he's, he's going to be carrying the mail in net for the New Jersey Devils. 35 saves, albeit in a shootout loss. The New York Rangers uh, got dealt to pretty good here. The New York Islanders blanked the Rangers 4 to nothing. Um, the Rangers, of course, came back in the bubble, didn't win a game, and went home as quickly as they got there. And now the Islanders, who went to the Eastern Conference Final, beat the Flyers in Game 7 in Round 2 to advance to the Conference Final, get off to a 4 nothing win and a good start to the season under Barry Trotz. Semyon Varlamov, 24 saves there. Anders Lee had two points, a goal and an assist. And Matthew Barzell, with that new three-year contract, had a goal in that one for the Isles as well. So the teams in the division are in action. That's good to see. Flyers got a win. They'll look to get a win in game number two coming up tonight at the Wells Fargo Center. Once again, Carter Hart will be in net for the Philadelphia Flyers, and we're going to hear from the man who makes that decision right now. Here's Flyers head coach Elaine Vigneault addressing the media yesterday afternoon. After looking at the video of last night's win, are there uh, any areas where uh, you want to improve on? 
Well, you know, after watching the game and, and uh, you know, talking with my staff, uh, there's no doubt that uh, I feel that uh, we can be better to finish on some of our, some of our opportunities. But, uh, you know, we um, spend more time than needed to in our zone. Mind you, I, I don't want to take anything away from them. They're a, a real strong team with, uh, you know, great one-on-one -on -one players and great players that can uh, do a lot of things off the rush. But uh, our five-on-five -five play uh, coming back into our end and making the right place to come out, uh, we need to be better. Uh, there's no doubt that uh, uh, I, I thought that, uh, you know, they played a, a real strong game five-on-five, -five, and uh, we're going to need to be better tomorrow. Yeah, just just a follow up to uh, to what uh, Patrick and uh, and Oscar Lindblom did last night. Uh, again, I, I thought it was uh, incredible to have both uh, those young men back, both coming back from uh, uh, you know a, a long time away from the game and away from their teammates. Uh, it was great to see Nolan on the ice, and uh, you know he played a, a strong game. And there's no doubt that uh, seeing Oscar and uh, Seeing uh, uh, that you know those block shots that he, he that he had yesterday and one block shot in the first that led to a, a two on one one great block shot in the second that took away a scoring opportunity you know paying the price and uh, like I mentioned yesterday I, I talked about Oscar but I could have easily said both about it would have been great to uh, have the the fans in there and and showing both those young men, the, you know, the appreciation for them for being back. We've got great fans. Uh, it would have been a great night, but obviously with COVID, uh, you can't have anybody in the building. Uh, last night, the uh, the fourth line of, uh, you know, Lawton, Roth, and Albany, Bell, they got, you know, a significant portion of their shifts against the, the Crosby line and the Malkin line. Do you envision that being a trend, those guys kind of going head-to-head -head with the top players of uh, of opponents? Well, all those three players, uh, you know, have a, an important role in our team. Uh, whether you want to call it first, second, third, fourth line, I'll leave that up to you. But those three guys also kill penalties. So if they're killing penalties, then in, in my estimation, they can play against any players in the league because top players from the other team are coming out on the power play. So uh, I expect those guys to be able to go head-to-head -head against anyone if they're playing the right way, and that's moving the puck forward, that's getting on the right side of your checks. Uh, they're three energy guys, three physical guys. And they need to find ways to contribute, uh, not just, uh, you know, doing it uh, properly defensively, but the way they did last night when Rafi scored that big goal for us. Uh, it was a, an important goal. It turned out to be uh, the winning goal. And, uh, you know, we need contribution throughout our lineup. And uh, those three young men found a way to do that for us. Hi, Elaine. Uh, you really didn't have a lot of familiarity with Nolan Patrick last season just because he wasn't around. Um, what are you, what did you see last night or what have you seen, you know, live in person versus what you maybe saw on tape from the past two seasons? And what do you like about him and how can he build on this moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't, you know, Nolan was barely around our team last year, just in and out. Uh, but from day one that I've been here and that he's been here and he was here before me, uh, you know, his uh, the way he's walking around, he's in a good place right now. Uh, he's smiling. He's going on the ice. He's working hard. He's trying to improve. He's asking questions to, to the coaching staff. I mean, 
obviously there was some you know nervousness and anxiety on his part uh, coming in but i think he transformed all that uh, to excitement and that joy to be around his teammates and uh, he's trying to make every day count and uh, you know i think the best approach that he can have right now is one day at a time trying to get better and trying to help this team win uh, games and uh, he started last night and he started in good fashion I was just going to ask, you know, about Nolan, how does he build off this? But you kind of answered that, Coach. Thank you. I can multitask. Ask her, ask her, ask any question. Hey, Bill. Hi, Amy. Um, What was your assessment of uh, Sanheim and Myers as a tandem last night and also Phil individually? Uh, you know, both those guys are, are big and uh, both can skate and both can be physical. So, it makes for a, a really strong deep air. Uh, you know, I thought for the most part, um, you know, they had some some very good moments. Uh, I do think that uh, both of them uh, can get better and have to get better. They're like the rest of our team. Well, we won last night. Uh, it was the first game of the year, no doubt. Uh, good start for our group. Found a way to uh, you know some score some goals at important times. Uh, you know, uh, we were down by one. We came back, took a lead. They tied it. We took a lead. They t uh, they took a lead. We tied it, et cetera. So, and then we found a way to get, uh, you know, th three quick goals there. So uh, they're part of that. Uh, you know, they need to defend when it's time to defend. And when it's time to be up on the play, they both of them need to be up on the play. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, they're, uh, they're only going to get better here as we move forward. Yeah, hi, Elaine. Just wondering if you had any update on Shane Gossespierre, if there was any thought of him, you know, what his health is, if he's going to be available for Friday night. Uh, you know, it was announced by the NHL, and um, my understanding is any COVID-related uh, issue, I'm supposed to say COVID protocol and uh, leave it at that. So that's where we are right now. Um, Elaine, generally speaking, obviously this isn't, you know, a catch-all, but – you know, coaches generally don't change lineups after wins uh, very much. This season's a little bit different, though, because you have a, a lot of, you know, back-to-backs against the same team and whatnot. Do you think, in your case, not necessarily talking about tomorrow, but there will be more changes after wins when you're playing against the same team a second time because of maybe what you might see in a matchup? You know, I think it's definitely something that we're going to monitor. It's something that coming into this uh you know, a new season and, and different type of format uh, that the coaching staff and management have talked about. Uh, it's something that with with the taxi squad uh, being there right now with the, the, the COVID factor, the COVID variable, uh, it is something that we're going to monitor as far as, uh, you know, where our players' energy is at. Uh, uh, you know, we're obviously you know, using science, their load, where they are. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, moving forward, uh, our energy level, um, how we uh, are as far as mental energy. And uh, it's definitely something that with my whole staff, uh, uh, my conditioning coaches and my trainers that uh, we're, we're going to monitor on a daily basis. Sam Carcitti, you're on with Coach. Go ahead. Yes, yeah, will you go back to Carter Hart on Friday? Yes. yes. Always good to hear from Elaine Vigneault. And yeah, sometimes you hear that, that last question there from Sam Carcitti. Is Carter Hart going to start tomorrow night? There's so many storylines in this NHL season, and there's so many storylines surrounding this Flyers team. 
even after just one game, there's storylines. Heading into game one, there was a ton of storylines. You know, is depth going to be what rings true for the Flyers again? Well, 11 of their 12 forwards had a point or more in game one of the season. Uh, so that rang true in that game. And you look at, uh, obviously, Nolan Patrick, who was on this podcast yesterday, and I really enjoyed my conversation with Nolan. And, um, you know, I look back and uh, at training camp, that was the number one storyline, and he has delivered so far. Now, it is very early. I don't want to get crazy here, um, but he is an incredibly skilled hockey player. And there was just like a different tone in that interview I did with him yesterday where it seemed like there was an appreciation to be back because – it was almost taken from him. The sport was almost taken from Nolan Patrick. And by not by a knee injury, not by a shoulder injury or an Achilles, you know, it's not something like that. It was just it's taken from him from a migraine disorder, perhaps brought on by concussions. I don't know. But to, to have an uncertain future when you're that young in a sport that you've dedicated your life to uh, is incredibly complex. So maybe that part of it will help him. So, so that's just another big storyline that is surrounding this team because we all know the effect Nolan Patrick and a healthy Nolan Patrick and a Nolan Patrick who was the number two overall pick realizing his talent at the NHL level, what that would mean. What it means is it, it just enormous for this team, for the depth of this team and for the future, not, not only the present, but the future as well. So uh, that's a huge storyline. How about Oscar Lindblom? Yeah, he, he wasn't credited with, credited with the goal initially. It was given to Travis Konechny uh, late there after the game. He was credited with the goal. Konechny got the assist, so he didn't lose the point at least. Um, but Oscar Lindblom, he came back for those two games in the bubble. Um, he's not the same Oscar Lindblom that is back now. The Oscar Lindblom that is back now looks like the Oscar Lindblom that the Flyers had last year in the season prior to his Ewing sarcoma diagnosis. He's put muscle back on. He looks much stronger on the puck. And the goal that he got, typical Oscar Lindblom, banging away at the blue paint in front of the net. That's how he scored. That's a great storyline. So to kind of go back where we started here, you know, Sam Sam asked the question, will Carter Hart start the game? <laughs> and, yeah, the answer is yes. And Carter was good in game one. He had a couple of mistakes. I'm sure he didn't like the Tanev goal. Uh, maybe shaded a little too much to the short side and gave him a little too much high glove. Perhaps. Uh, and I know he didn't like the, the turnover on the clearing attempt on the penalty kill. But that being said, Carter Hart made some big saves in the game. Flyers got outshot in the game, and they still won it. Now, one of those storylines we just mentioned, Oscar Lindblom. He had a chance to meet with the media yesterday, and here's what he had to say. Yeah, Oscar, can you uh, own first game performance? Obviously, blocked a couple of shots in key situations and ended up getting credit with a goal, too. I mean, I was trying to get into my game. Uh... When you get in those spots, when you have to block a shot, you can't do anything else and block it. So that was me today and hopefully someone else uh, the next game here. But overall, I think I played an uh, okay game. I think I know I can do a lot better than that. But it's the first game of the season, and uh, I think as a team, we can do better too. So just have to keep going here and keep uh, keep riding on. Yeah, Oscar, was, was there a special meaning for you to, to be able to play in the opener? Obviously, you came back. In, in the playoffs, but uh, how special was it to, to play in, in the season over? Uh, it was special, especially to be back in the Wells Fargo and play, play again. Sad, there was no fans in there, but at the same time, I, I'm just glad to be back and to be able to play hockey again. I mean, it's nothing better, and I, I mean, like I said, I'm just happy to be back in, in, in with our team and playing games.
I ask her, um, I'm guessing you didn't, uh, when you dreamt it in your head, you didn't imagine your first goal back would be go off your head, but uh, how satisfying was it to uh, to get that first goal? <laughs> I mean, uh, to be honest, I didn't notice I, I got it in my head at first, so when I saw it on the replay, it went on me, but I mean, it doesn't matter who scores, just... Like you said, it's nice to get one, but I mean, it wasn't a highlight goal, but I'll, I'll take it. Great to hear from Oscar Limblom. Great start to the season for him as well. Uh, let's get to some Twitter questions because we put out the uh, solicitation on Twitter, on my Twitter handle, at Jason Mert, J-A-S-O-N-M-Y-R-T. If you're not following me, you can do so there. Uh, and Dom tweets in. He says, reports of Philly being a landing spot for Big Yans. He said, I don't think we are ready for the Hayes-Yandel duo. What's your take? Now, Keith Yandel is available. Um, and I look at this situation. I was asked about this on, on a, as I guessed it on another podcast. And I looked at this situation. I go, okay, Yans is a good player. I get it. And you could always use a guy like Keith Yandel. I mean, here's the problem. They made Sam Moran move to a wing position because there was no room to even – try him out at defense. So if you're going to pick up Keith Yandel, who comes out? Let's go through it. Are you going to take Robert Haig out of the lineup? Okay. I'm, I can see if you want to make that decision. Are you going to take Eric Gustafson, who had two assists on power of play, two out of the lineup? And are you going to take Gustafson and then Gossespierre both out of the lineup when Ghost is through COVID protocol and not play either of them? Uh, are you going to take Myers or Sandheim out? No, that's that's not that's a non-starter. Are you going to take Provorov off? Another non-starter. Uh, are you going to take Justin Braun out, a veteran defenseman? Probably not. I just don't see it as a fit here. I think if Chuck Fletcher's going to make a deal, I think it comes later in the season when he knows more of what he has or maybe what he thinks he doesn't have or what he needs. So I don't think Yance or uh, Keith Yandel is an option uh, for Chuck Fletcher. I could be totally wrong. But we'll see how this plays out. That's just my take on it. Nolan Rogers tweets in and says, Is Carter Hart's puck handling fixable? He says, I feel like last night was the first time it really backfired at him, fired back at him. Um, it is fixable because puck handling is not one of those um, God given skills, if you will. It's something that is worked on and communicated. Um, there's a lot of decisiveness that comes with puck handling. Um, so you look at his puck handling and look, he didn't see the pressure coming from his backside. Both the wall on both sides was sealed, uh, by the Pittsburgh Penguins on that penalty kill for the Flyers. So he saw the middle was wide open and it was, and he said, Hey, let me just try and launch this problem is he didn't see Crosby coming from his backside. Crosby comes across and any other player may have knocked that down, but they probably just don't poke it in like Crosby does. It just speaks to the greatness he is as a player. But, yeah, it is fixable, but here's the deal. It's Nolan, it needs to be simplified, and it needs to be well-communicated on the ice. So you can really do your defenseman a big service by being able to play the puck. What it does is it doesn't have them put their back to the play and catch a beating a lot as forecheck is bearing down on you. If they just peel off to the corner, and that gives Carter Hart, if both D peel off to each corner, it's an 8 eight to 10-foot pass each way. So if the pressure's coming on his forehand side, he can backhand it to the other corner. If the, the pressure's coming from his backhand side, easy, boom, right to the right to the corner and his D-man there. What you don't want, and why I say communicate it, is the goalie that handles the puck does not want his players to come to him. 
You don't want your player to come to you. You want them to peel and give you an option. If it comes to you, you end up firing it into his shin pads, and it goes off his shin pads and not where you want it to go, and sometimes in the back of the net. So it has to be something that's worked out with Kim Dillaball, with Carter Hart, his D, and something that he, he will get better at it. And it's just a matter of realizing when you do have time and when you don't have time and having that trust in your defenseman and them having that trust in you that they're going to get it to you. Because if they don't trust in you, they will come to you to try and pick it up. And if you try and play it, that's what you don't want. That's when you have a defenseman coming to you, and you don't want that if you're trying to play the puck. I I mean, look, I never played it at that kind of level, obviously. I was a goalie that always tried to handle the puck. I liked to handle the puck. It was a way for me to, to feel like I'm in a game sometimes when you're not getting a lot of rubber where you can handle the puck a little bit and, and have that. And I always tell any at all levels that I played at growing up and even now in men's league, uh, if I get it, don't come to me. Give me somewhere to go. Uh, Robert K. tweets in. He says, small sampling, but the first pairing doesn't look like it's going to work long term. Agree. Well, I don't know if I'm ready to go there. It was a really small sample size, and I don't see where you thought that Justin Braun didn't carry his weight in that game as a top pairing defender. Um, that that didn't look like an issue to me at all. So uh, I need to see a lot more. I'm not convinced that that's the long term fix. I don't think I'll ever be convinced that that's the long term answer because it's just not. But um, I don't think it was a glaring problem in game number one. Uh, so, no, I don't agree to answer your question, Robert. Um, but thanks for the question. Justin Goodhart says, Limbaum and Patrick scoring in the returns, obviously, is a story that writes itself. Can something like that galvanize a team and be a spark moving forward? Well, you need more to galvanize a team. Um, it's a great story, though. I think that the Oscar Limbaum return and the Nolan Patrick return, and you've heard other players on the team talk about it and and how much it means, not only just from an emotional human perspective, you know, one guy was at a crossroads in his career with migraine disorders, and they didn't they didn't know if they were ever going to be able to find a solution that was workable. And, I mean, Oscar Lindblom was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma, a rare form of cancer, and they're both back. So, I mean, yeah, I guess you're right. That would galvanize a team when you have those two storylines colliding and you have um, these players that mean so much to the team. So, well, initially when I read your question, I— Maybe didn't think so, but now that I kind of talk it out, yeah, they can galvanize a team. And those two players are very important players to this team's success. Oscar Lindblom, when he went out last year, was the leading scorer for the Flyers. And he's on the top line with Sean Couturier and Travis Konechny. Um, Nolan Patrick is a number two overall pick with maybe the best raw skills on the team, hockey skills. And if he can realize those skills at the NHL level, it's just, it's stunning what could happen. Um Let's go to Delwin, the Delwin on Twitter. He says, what do you think of the third line? He said, I love one, two, and four. Just think the third line may be, be may have trouble in the D zone. Well, I get why you think that, Delwin, because you look at James Van Riemsdyk and Jake Voracek, and they're not known for their 200-foot game. And that's okay. Not every player is. Um, but I will tell you that if Nolan Patrick is healthy, as he is starting the season, he is a tremendous 200-foot player. And in Game 1 against the Penguins, I saw several plays of Nolan Patrick in the D zone down below the dots making defensive plays, uh, you know, creating zone exits and transitions the other way. Um, that's number one. So that that's why I think the Flyers are dangerous is because on every line, 
you have a really good 200-foot player and you have talented players that are more offensive-minded and can, sc- and can score. For example, obviously Sean Couturier plays the 200 by 85 tremendously well. He's uh, He won the Selkie. <laughs> Enough said. And he has players on his line that can score. Their leading scorer last year, Travis Konechny, who had 24 goals in 59 games, and the leading scorer before he went out with the Ewing sarcoma diagnosis, Oscar Limblau. Uh The second line, uh, Kevin Hayes is a – is a good 200-foot player, but Claude Giroux, even as a winger, um, is incredibly defensively responsible. And he has the instincts of a center in his D zone, even though he's not playing center. So when need be, he can shade in that direction. And obviously that line can score, and Joel Farabee, uh, is, I think, is going to have a tremendous season. Uh, the third line, Nolan Patrick, is a good 200-foot player. And then you have two good, good offensive players in Jake Voracek and James Van Riemsdyk. And then the, the fourth line, Scott Lawton's a really good 200-foot player. So is Michael Roffel. Nicholas Albay-Kubel is, too, more known for his forechecking, but all four lines uh, can certainly defend. Uh, Jeff tweets, and he says, would you make an offer for Dubois? Uh, where do you think he ends up? That's Pierre-Luc Dubois from the Columbus Blue Jackets, and I, I just don't see a situation where a, a, a trade with the Flyers would make sense for Columbus. Number one, they're in normal circumstances in the same division. Number two... I just don't see a situation where uh, Pierre-Luc and the Flyers are willing to give up what it takes to get him. I think a team like Montreal will absolutely be in the running for him for obvious reasons, the French part of it, uh, and the fact that he's a tremendous center, and and Montreal has some assets that they could um, throw towards the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think another team, you look at maybe Winnipeg. Winnipeg has a disgruntled player there, but I don't think Pierre-Luc Dubois wants to go there. But um, L.A. is another team. That I think would be real interesting because they have a they are loaded with prospects, good ones, and you could send a package there that would maybe include the number two pick from this year's draft, Quentin Byfield, to Columbus in exchange for Pierre Luc Dubois. Dubois has made it really clear he doesn't want to be there, and John Tortorella talking about it, it's been a very interesting situation. Everybody's running from Columbus all of a sudden. Uh, Nikki Knack twenty one tweets and he says, "Do you think Gustafson, Eric Gustafson, can be as solid as he was last night on PP two consistently? How tough is it going to be to sweep teams in back to backs this year? Obviously, it's always is tough, but uh, this year even more so. Um, first of all, let's go to Gustafson. Um, I think he can be a tremendously effective player. I don't expect him to have two points a game, um, but." He, he's got real, real good offensive instincts. And on both of those goals that he assisted on, on PP2, he was he made really smart plays. And he found the lane to the net and got pucks through. And that's what the job is. It doesn't have to be a bomb. It doesn't have to be a howitzer of a slap shot. The puck has to be able to find the net. He did that. And real good on him. Good plays. I thought he played real strong. Uh, he, I thought he was good in, in the defensive zone as well. As far as the sweeping teams back-to-back, yeah, it's going to be difficult. It's always tough to beat a team twice in one week. Um, the difference this year and the variable we don't know about, other than the playoffs, we don't see teams play uh, the same opponent twice in the same building. So what that means, I don't know. Uh, Flyers have an opportunity to sweep Pittsburgh in the first two-game series of the season. Uh, I expect a better effort from Pittsburgh and a cleaned-up hockey game from their perspective. Um, but I just don't think Pittsburgh is that good of a team. And that's not because the Flyers beat them 6-3 in the first game. I was saying this before the season. I think that Jim Rutherford has made a lot of moves there. And while some of them, he's brought in some good players, I just don't know that it all fits. And I didn't like the move of letting Matt Murray go and putting the trust of the organization in the hands of Tristan Jari. I know he's a good goaltender, 
but I don't know that he's ready for the stage that he's now put on, especially given that they're trying to take another kick at the can with Sidney Crosby, Malkin, Latang, and that group. So uh, we'll see how that plays out, and we'll see tonight. Um, Jor Dangles tweets in and says, can we move Sanheim, Frost, and Picks for Line A already? Okay. Um, why do you want to do that? Patrick Line is a pure goal scorer, and I get it. He is a unicorn, and he's a great scorer, great release. But do you want, really want to create another hole defensively? Um, defensemen are worth more than a scoring winger. Um, Frost, a player with tremendous upside and picks, when there's a flat cap and you need to get more from players on entry-level contracts than signing free agents. And you have to sign Line, who's on an expiring deal, probably to about a $10 million contract. Um, look, I understand the people being enamored with Line, but calm down. Um, when he is not scoring goals, he is a net negative player. I went through it. In the last three years, he went double-digit games without a goal on five occasions in the last two and a half seasons. And when he doesn't score, he's a net negative player. So if you want to do it, you're entitled. I don't. Um, uh, at Tom Edward Austin, that's a heck of a Twitter handle. He said, would the city of Philadelphia be allowed to host a parade when the boys bring home the cup in a few months? I don't know. I'm not an epidemiologist, so I'm not sure of that. All right, we'll get to two more questions here. Let's go to this one from uh, at Soft Parade 4. He says, why do we still have Voracek? I think he's one of the most overrated players on the team. Well, I need more information from you because, you know, Jake is a guy that is easy to bag on. He is. Um, I think he's. Uh, I think he's a lazy target for ignorant some ignorant fans. <laughs> I, I, I maybe that was offensive to you uh, to the tweeter. Um, in sixty nine games last year, he had fifty six points. Um, in seventy eight games the year before, he had sixty six points. In eighty two games in the two thousand seventeen eighteen season, he had eighty five points. When you look over the last okay, say four years in the NHL, the last four seasons. Where would you think, based on how people think of Jake Voracek sometimes, uh, but not where Jake Voracek has performed? Over the last four years in the in the NHL, Jake Voracek has the 26th most amount, has the 26th most points. In 312 games, he's got 268 points. He's got 72 goals and 196 assists. Uh, if you want to look at that from a points-per-games-played perspective, yeah, he averages 0.86 points per game, which is top 35 in the NHL uh, for players that have played at least 100 games in the last three years. So, look, I know that he's not a defensive marble. I know that he does turn over the puck sometimes, but he is a creative, offensive, uh, play-driving player, and those things happen. Um, he's that kind of player that incurs risk for reward. And I don't think people – look, I love in sports goal scorers and guys who uh, score the basketball or the guy who scores the touchdown or the guy who hits the home run. But a lot of times the guy who scores the touchdown got it from a great pass. The guy who scores the basket in basketball got it on a great assist from from one of his teammates. And a goal in hockey a lot of times – the player that's more responsible for the goal is the guy who made the great pass, not the one who put it in. So they look at guys that don't score the goals, and they look at the assist as not being as worthy a point as the goal. 
And I think that's wrong. I really do. Jake Voracek, I mean, when you look at just the assists over the last couple of years, I mean, he's one of the elite assists and distributors in the NHL. Over the last four years, he's got the four, the the sixteenth most assists in the NHL. You would think this guy is dog slop, according to some in the fan base. So, to real quick to answer your question, um, why do we still have Voracek? Okay, get rid of him and replace sixty-five points every season, and and good luck doing that. It's not. It's easier said than done. If you want to say, well, his contract, all that stuff, the guy is a play driver and a point producer. I know that the teams that he's been on, he's been on here in Philadelphia, haven't gone on to some huge playoff success. But that's not his fault. You cannot have playoff success when you had two and three offensive weapons through a lot of those years of kind of rebuild. So that's why Jake Voracek is still here, and we hope that hey. He goes on to great success, and and that happens for him. But he is a guy that can drive play, and, it does, and again, his play will incur some risk. Uh, last question, a bunch of people asked it. What about Ghost? Where's Ghost? He's in quarantine due to COVID protocol. Uh, he's in COVID protocol. It doesn't mean that he has coronavirus. Uh, perhaps he was exposed to it. I'm not sure of every logistic of the COVID protocol for the NHL. What I know is he's not available, or he wasn't available on Wednesday. We'll see when he's available. Uh, we just don't get much information on that at this time, but we'll see if uh, if he can get into the lineup here soon. The good news is he's not hurt. That's good news. He's in COVID protocol. You know, that doesn't take rehabilitation like a knee if he's not infected and he's just dealing with either secondary exposure or just quarantine out of uh, out of uh, abundance of caution. So that's all good news. All right, everybody. Game night tonight, Flyers and Penguins game number Two, 7 o'clock at the Wells Fargo Center. I'll talk to you on the radio for the pregame show at 6.50 on 97.5 The Fanatic. In the meantime, we'll be back tomorrow. Another brand new episode on Saturday. We are seven days a week. We are daily now. That's the great news. Everybody, thanks for tweeting in. And uh, enjoy your hockey tonight. And we'll talk to you on Saturday's episode of Flyers Daily.